Hi everyone, this is Superintendent Diego Ochoa of the San Mateo Foster City School District and I'm here with you with the One SMFC Podcast. This is a show where we sit down with employees of the San Mateo Foster City School District, teachers, administrators, counselors, school psychologists, parents, and really anybody who has a vested interest in the work that we do on behalf of students in our district. And I'm delighted to be here with you again with our newest episode of the podcast with two of my colleagues here at the district office, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Thank you, Diego. I'm Dennis Hills, Assistant Superintendent of Student Services. Thanks for having us. Nice to see you, Dennis. Great to see you. I'm Winnie McMichael, and I'm the Wellness Coordinator. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. It's so fun to have you in here. Um, We are actually wrapping up our first season of the podcast. This is our last episode going into the winter break, and so I'm just really grateful to have both of you here. Um, We're here to talk about something that affects every single employee and every family and student in this district, and that's the social and emotional wellness in the district. Um, So I'm excited to have this opportunity um, to really just educate our community about what we've been doing. And I want to get an opportunity for the two of you to give your perspective over more than just one year. As you know, we um, we have a lot of experience in the room. Dennis, you've been an educator multiple decades. Winnie, you've been in this business multiple decades. And in this district, Dennis, when did you start here in, in the San Mateo Foster oh, City? Let's see, this is my fifth year. Yeah, so, so you would have started like 2016, 17 Correct. or something like that. Mm. Yeah. And when you came on board, you were in the Human Resources Department. Correct. I was the Director of Human Resources. Yeah, so and then how about you, Winnie? How long have you been with the district? I believe 15 years. And tell us about that. Where did you start? I have been, I was a school psychologist and I've worked at a ton of different schools throughout the district and then became the wellness coordinator, I think about five years ago. Uh, so I have been working more at an, an administrative level to, um, to work on the wellness of our, of our community, which is a real passion. Yeah. One of the biggest changes that we've had in the last few years in education is just the changes that have been brought on by the pandemic. I think all of us as educators, um, you know, when we get a quiet moment, we can think back to what it was like in 2017, 18, before we ever had to think about wearing masks or who was vaccinated. Um, And it was just a different time. And I think some of the changes that we've put into place over the last two years, I hope they really stick. I hope they continue on. Um, And those changes are involving how we educate kids, and how we staff our district. So what I want to do is I want to open up the conversation to talk about what was staffing like before the pandemic and what is staffing like now in terms of having professionals on school sites and working for the district, focusing on the social and emotional well-being of students. And I'll pass it to you, Winnie, to give us a little bit of that history and then talk about what we're doing now. It's somewhat of a long history, but I want to say we went um, even right, you know, a little bit before the pandemic from at the elementary level, we actually had one elementary school counselor for all the schools. So really serving as a consultant. Um, And then over over time, like since I've uh, been a wellness coordinator, um, grew that, you know, to to two, three, and now we're, we're up to almost every school having a full-time at the elementary level school counselor, 
um, except for some, uh, uh, there's, there's four schools who have a half time or, or a little bit of a time. Um, and then at the middle school level, we actually had um, basically one school counselor at each middle school uh, for quite a while, and now we have three. And when you came on board as the wellness coordinator, you know, when I talk to staff, they'll say, you don't, you were never here, but Burrell used to have 1,200 kids, and Bowditch used to have 1,100 kids, and now those schools are down in the 900s and in the 800s. Uh, we were at Abbott last night for a board community workshop. There's 775 kids at Abbott Middle School right now, and Abbott Middle School has three full-time counselors. They do. They and do. And you're saying five years ago there was one counselor at that school. There, uh, yeah, I think wow. I'm thinking maybe five. It's hard for me with the timeline, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it wasn't that long then. ago. Yeah, a lot's changed. A lot has changed. A lot's changed. Dennis, you were in human resources while this change took place. What was the thinking in 1718 or 1617? And you know, talk about what the process was like in finding these folks sure. and bringing them on board. Well, I think to your point, Diego, we started to recognize that schools had needs that were not being filled with students and staff and community members. And school counselors are really a vital key player in, in the wellness piece. And so even though, to your point, some of our enrollment has shifted a bit, we recognize that kids' needs have gotten bigger and more pronounced, and um, we wanted to, to address it. Um, Hiring counselors became a priority, and it was always it's Winnie and I. Yeah, we, Winnie and I would work together with um, principals, and you know, go out and try to find counselors to fit the needs of each school individually, and um, you know, representationally as well. Um, and so we worked really hard to hire a lot of people. And that's key because when you when you try to fill out an entire district staff, you have to acknowledge. Sunnybury Elementary School has needs that are different than, than um, Meadow Heights. And Park School is very different from Brewer Island. And I think that cultural responsiveness and that language responsiveness is very important. And doing everything that we can to recruit and hire diverse staff is a huge priority for the district. I would absolutely agree with you. And yeah. I think that was sort of the fun part for us, or for me, I can speak for myself. Um, seeing all these great candidates, a lot of young folks coming through with their counseling credentials, um, certainly some with experience, but many new people to the field, um, bringing a lot of diversity to the table. Yeah. Unlike when I was a school counselor a long time ago, um, it didn't feel that way. Yeah. So it's really nice to see young people going into this profession. You know, the Collaborative for Academic and Social Emotional Learning, it's a, it's an organi a national organization. They uh, published a report a few months back, and the report was all about what are the three things that school districts should be doing with all of this additional funding that you're receiving from the federal government and the state government uh, going into this new school year. And we didn't necessarily consult that report when we made our decisions about how we were going to spend the money, but I just want to list off for you what they listed as the top three priorities. The first priority is Promote social-emotional learning for all students. Does that ring a bell for the two of you? Mm -hmm. that's, you're, I'm going to give you a chance to talk about how that's happening in our district. The second priority was support adult training in social-emotional learning and adult wellness. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then the third is align your efforts across your schools. Do not have schools that are doing a lot 
and schools that aren't doing very much align those efforts district-wide. So let's really start with that concept of alignment. We'll go in the reverse order. Talk about, as Winnie, as the wellness coordinator, what strategies are you putting in place? What work are you doing and what work is the department doing to make sure that what uh, children at Meadow Heights are receiving in terms of services and support is also in place at College Park or is also in place at at, at Bayside uh, K-8? Some of the work that we do is, um, you know, as part of our process for looking at, um, you know, LCAP in the past and then for also for planning for, for services moving forward is like we're, we're finding out from the community what the needs are. So both from our, our parent community and our staff, um, I think now we're also, we'll, we'll talk about that a little later, looking at trying to find out more from students themselves. Um, and the, you know, so we're we're looking at that, looking at our data, and looking at you know trying to identify what needs are. As you said, we're looking at how is it that we're trying to ensure right that all students have the services and right the the academic instruction or you know, social emotional instruction that they need in order to. Um, you know, to, to fulfill what our vision and mission are for them, right? It's just to, to lead lives with integrity and joy, right, where they can grow up and be fulfilled individuals who are contributing to the, the community and um, have good lives. So we're looking at that, but we do look at, like, when we're making decisions around services, including staffing, knowing, like, we, you know, we still have limitations around that, we're looking at data around uh, school sites uh, around need and often targeting our staffing a little bit more for sites that do have need. So, and obviously that's a work in progress. Coming back from the pandemic, we're kind of discovering some some new needs, right? Um, and we know that for, for some of our communities, the pandemic has resulted in a lot of, um, you know, more, um, needs for the families that, that need to be addressed. So that's something I think that we're, we're talking about and, and thinking about right now too. Yeah, some of our families, they come to our schools and they tell us, we don't, we don't know where we're gonna live next month. You know, we, we need your help because next month we expect to be out of our apartment and we don't know where we're going. So that's a very different counseling conversation that happens than a child who comes to school and, and feels like they don't have friends or feels like they don't have motivation. So we're seeing actual trauma in the home in addition to the, per, the child's sort of individual um, wellness needs. Um, that's, I think, that's happening at every single school in this district. Mm -hmm. But what you're saying is at some schools that might be 12 kids in a month and at other schools it might be two. And so being smart about giving support where support is needed. And I think, Dennis, flexibility is in our profession is a really key word. That flexibility is essential, and, and your department is, is all about that service to the students. So talk a little bit about what you're trying to do as the new assistant superintendent of student services to be really responsive to where the needs are in the district. Well, that's a good question. Well, first of all, I meet with Winnie weekly to talk about the program and about the services and the needs of our site and students. Um, so that keeps me in the loop, at least, um, as a thought partner. That's really important. Um, you know, we're starting to think about 
how we're going to grow this support, if it's more counselors, if it's social workers, is it what kind of wraparound services can we really provide for students in our district and families? Um, so I know that's a conversation you and I have had as well. So that, for me, is really exciting work that needs to be done. Um, I hear from principals, as you do, um, and Winnie too, all the time about what's going on at their sites with behavior and emotions and attendance and just the struggles that people are facing. And, and can even struggle is a big word, but just the day-to-day life that they're living and what the kind of needs they have. So we're looking at that. And I think it's important for families to know we're talking about a school district with 21 schools. So this is really 21 different little communities. This is not simply 11,000 kids. It's 21 different school communities. And that's a lot of context. It's a lot of different people that you're talking to. It's a lot of different teachers. It's a lot of different uh, support staff. Um, And each one has their own story to tell. One thing that came through in the report for the Collaborative for Social and Emotional Learning, actually it's Collaborative for Academic and Social Emotional Learning, was that the adults, the employees, and the staff, they play the pivotal role. They have to be emotionally well. I want to turn it back over to you, Winnie. Talk a little bit about what we're doing this year to provide some support to our staff and to plan for the development of their understanding of social-emotional learning? Sure. Um, In terms of of having access to services, we have a couple of different things in place just in terms of thinking specifically about employee wellness and um, need for perhaps um, things to help them enhance their health or their mental health and well-being. we have an uh, an employee assistance program which provides some free services, including free counseling services. And we also um, are gifted from the Peninsula Healthcare District in the County Office of Education um, a care solace um, services, which is also available for families. And it's an organization that helps connect uh, any individual that's part of our San Mateo Foster District, excuse me, San Mateo Foster City School District community with substance abuse, um, you know, alcohol treatment, um, or mental health services. So it's really about linkage to services. So there's that piece. Um, We also uh, do things like, you know, I work with the, the counseling team around Uh, bringing to staff meetings wellness activities for teachers. So trying to incorporate just uh, a sample of a wellness activity at the beginning or end of a staff meeting to just help make that part of the the routine uh, for staff members. In the past, we have uh, offered um, classes on wellness uh, for for our employees. tend to have very low enrollment um, and we have offered also like there's some online uh, platforms that that they're able to engage in so it's one thing that I was planning on before the winter break reminding people here's something that's available um, in case they have time to do it but um, we this year have not targeted a specific class uh, because I think it's been hard with the bandwidth for teachers to take on their free time and enroll in a, in a wellness class. Well, and I think it's a situation where every little bit helps. Yes. You know, we might, you know, we have 600 teachers. Mm-hmm. 
we have an additional 600 classified and confidential staff. I'm talking about a lot of people, right? We'll fill up a stadium with that many people. So if we offer these things and we get 14, that's 14 people that got a service. Mm -hmm. That's nine people that got a service. Um, and maybe the other 200 that were interested, those dates didn't work and that time didn't work, but maybe the next time will. I think that's important too for staff to know we're going to offer a lot of different entry points so that you can access these support services, but it's a, it's a huge focus. And I think nothing else is more prominent in the work that we're doing this year that's different than in previous years than the work that's happening at our, all of our school sites with Second Step and with the social emotional learning, which is the number one recommendation from Castle. Talk to the parents listening to this podcast about what's happening with Second Step and in a larger sense, what's happening with our social emotional learning. Sure. Um, we are really excited. The County Office of Education obtained a grant, which also helped cover uh, for, for our school districts in the county um, purchase of a social emotional learning curriculum. And um, so uh, we went through a process with the county. We ended up having second step, which had been um, used uh, by some of our schools. So it, in a way, we've had a pilot of it. Um, in the past, um, and it was vetted uh, by teachers. Um, but, let's, but let's enter the conversation there again. One of the other recommendations from Castle is to align strategies across the district. Yes. And I've talked to Dennis, you and I've talked about this quite a bit. The concern with pilots is that it doesn't achieve a district-wide implementation. Mm -hmm. and, 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 I, and that's a fundamental yeah, change that we're making this it year. Is. It's like. Huge. It's not about trying something at one school. It's about doing the research into the program, determining the competence of the program, and initiating a district-wide implementation so that we, we hit those, those standards. We connect with all of our students at every school, regardless of where the child attends. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what we're doing, so thanks for bringing that up. But we are definitely implementing it district-wide um, or working towards that. We have one school um, that they're waiting for the Spanish translation of the program, um, and then they'll be implementing it. Um, so uh, the other thing that we are going to be doing is also there's a, um, an after-school version of the Second Step program. So the Annex program is going to be trained uh, at, on January 3rd in that program and begin implementing well, it as well. Let me just do a round of applause for that. I just... <laughs> You have no idea how happy it makes me to hear that. <laughs> we, that's the other part of our work together, uh, Dennis. The annex is under your supervision as well. We can't see these things as different. Mm -hmm. The annex is our district. So if we're using second step, then we're using it throughout the entire experience that children have with us. And if there's an after-school component, we're on it. And, and I'm just so glad to hear you talk about the, the coordination um, with our with our annex program. And then obviously my next question is, what can we do to get the preschools <laughs> connected to us? I know they, they are actually, we do have, um, all the preschools have the early learning version of Second Step, so. That's great, that's something I learned, I didn't know that. That's excellent, that's they what we it. want, because that's, that's what's really gonna take us beyond where we're at now, is having that aligned strategy that for a child who starts with us when they're three and continues with us until they're 12. That's nine years of a program that's really gonna give them the tools they need to have that 
that emotional wellness to be able to achieve and understand how to communicate their needs and understand how to express themselves, right? Yeah, also to solve social conflicts, to develop their growth mindset, uh, set goals, right? So there's a lot that's covered uh, in this, and, and they'll be developmentally uh, kids, as you said, throughout their education be looking at that, and what does that mean for me at this age? Well, and what I want to do is I want to invite you two back uh, to meet with me again in season two of the podcast. Because what we want to do is we want to pull apart the actual curriculum and we want to explain to parents what are we having our kinder and first grade students do and have that be an episode of the podcast and come back a month later and talk about second and third grade. Because I think when parents understand what the content is of the second step curriculum, they're going to be really pleased to know that their children are getting this instruction and support in our schools. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, so you guys, uh, everybody heard that they agreed to do it. That's right, we'll be (laughs) here. They're coming back for this. I want to end by giving both of you an opportunity to um, give our parents a message going into the break, give them um, some encouragement going into this. You know, this is a, the, the holidays can be a rough time for children emotionally, and they can be a good time for children emotionally, and, and what, what message do we want to send them off with? And, and um, I'll start with you, Winnie, just a message about social-emotional learning, about, about wellness heading into that break. I think from a family perspective, uh, my message always is going to be about connection um, and also just a human perspective. So um, I, I wish for all our district families and staff, uh, community as a whole, that the holidays is a time to connect uh, with those that you love and to really spend some quality time together. Um, Because that connection in any way that we can make it with others is a key component to human wellness. Really well said. I think when you pose that question, I think about being gentle with yourself and those around you is really important. Understanding that, you know, for some people, like you said, Diego, it's a fragile time and other people, it's an instant time for gratification or a joy. But to also find the joy. This is a time that it's okay. Give yourself some permission to have fun and relax, recover. But find joy. It's important. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chime in here. I'm going to give a list of things that you all should be doing with your kids over the break. Find one of those movies that you like. Sit down and watch a kid movie with your kid. And in my household, it's Snowy Day. I don't know if you all have ever seen Snowy Day. It's an Ezra Ezra Jack Keats book, and it's incredible. And they made a children's movie of it. Um, you know, take out some paper with your kids on YouTube. There's this thing called directive drawing. I don't know if you either of you have seen it, but there are the little videos that show you how to like draw a snowman or draw a house and and the artist who does it has his like six-year-old daughter sitting with him and it's super easy to do and my children my children's most requested thing for me to do with them that has to do with the phone is can we please do directive drawing together and it's sort of incredible how heartwarming it is to draw something with your child and to see them feel that that joy and that excitement about you know them being able to do like the other day we did a baby yoda so get on YouTube, do a directive drawing with your kids, go for a walk with your kids. You know, you're going to be inside plenty, but I hate to tell you all in San Mateo, Foster City, 
it is not that cold here. If you want to see cold weather, let's take a trip to the Midwest. It is really cold in the Midwest here. Put that jacket on and put on an extra t-shirt and go outside with your kids. Go get some fresh air. Go do something. Whatever your family does in terms of the food, get cozy in the house and sit down and read with your child. It's so fun to grab a book and read with your child. I really want to put a plug in for our local public libraries. They're incredible. They work with our families. Um, They want children to have books in their hands and um, entering into this holiday season, please stay safe. Put those masks on. Um, Make smart choices when you're out there in the community and we're just going to be excited to see you all here on the other end of uh, 2021 and start the January 2022 year, the calendar year, with emotionally well children who are healthy enough to come back to school. And um, it's just been a pleasure to be with both of you guys. And thank you for being with me today. My pleasure. Thank you, Dave.